0: I can't begin to imagine doing something like that unless I had real motivation to do it. That motivation stems from 30 years of seeing people in trouble on the water. If you're if you're a waterman, if you're out on the water lots, you know, pretty much any time I ever go out on the sea, I'm I'm helping somebody in some way. So I set up a surf lifesaving club um, in Torbay to help train lifeguards and get more people in the schools teaching water safety and a situation where the conditions were pretty awful Um, and unfortunately three souls lost their lives and I was part of trying to retrieve those souls. It's hard hitting when you see families losing a loved one. I've always said to myself from that moment on I didn't want another family to have to go through that grief. So I thought let's do something a little bit that most people think is a bit crazy, Combine my efforts with something I love doing which is paddleboarding and paddleboard around a whole
1: country yo Ron Hartley here from Always Better Than Yesterday. Welcome back to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring people. If this is the first time you push play on our podcast, thank you for taking time out of your day. I hope our time spent together leaves you better in some way. Go and check out some of our previous 150 episodes with some incredible human beings. Today on episode 151, I'm joined by Brendan Prince. Brendan is the first human being to paddleboard around mainland Britain. He did so in 141 days this year. He's set five world records in the process. And I won't say too much about the heart behind his expedition, but Brendan is the founder of Charity Above Water. Brendan has made it his life's mission to prevent drowning and to educate water safety. It's an incredible conversation. I really hope that it inspires you in some way. Please do share it with a friend. Please do share it with your your friends, your network so that many people can hear of Brendan's story and get involved in his movement and and fundraising and help him leave a a legacy where he hopes to educate 9 million children on water safety. I want to take a moment to thank Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices and finally just before we get into episode 151 we have some new merchandise available on the store we've got some long sleeve tees ready for the winter they are available in black in white and in heather gray Um, great quality all vegan friendly eco-friendly all the good stuff head to the website alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com Uh, to be one of the first to get your hands on some of those new long sleeve tees as well as short sleeve tees hoodies i mean the hoodies they are great right they are thick they're great quality they're going to keep you warm this winter as well as the beanies so feel free to go check out the store and if you're not part of our community yet on facebook head over come and join us we are always better than yesterday and we're a community of over 750 hundred and fifty like-hearted human beings from all around the world. All we simply ask is come as you are and hopefully leave a little better. There's so many incredible people in that one space that um, I'm really excited for you to come and connect and just meet with some great like-hearted human beings. The type of people that when you connect, it can breathe life and energy into your day. That's enough from me. You're all here to hear from my guest, Brendan Prince, episode 151. Enjoy, my friends. Brendan, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, mate. How are you? Good, um, awesome to meet you, Ryan. Absolutely perfect. I have been dying to have this conversation. I've been following the incredible... Journey that you've had over the last year with the long paddle. Um, I think we were just talking off air, weren't we? That we were connected by a good uh, friend in common, Matt Hill. Matt was a guest on my podcast a couple of years ago. Um, and I remember reaching out to him and saying, oh, I've reached out to my audience. I, I'm looking for a, a paddle board. What should I get? And uh, you were the first person uh, that he recommended. Um, tell us what you have been up awesome. to. Tell us what you've been up to this year, mate. It's, it's been a bit of a journey, right? <laughs> yeah well I'm keen to know did you get your paddleboard I did I did I got a big yes. one I got I got, I got a big one we've been out on it many many times uh, it's just I love it I love being on the water
0: you've got lots of really interesting inland waterways your way haven't you so um yeah, yeah. lots of nice settled placid water <laughs>
1: yeah which you would have been grateful for I'm sure over the last <laughs> yeah absolutely four or five months absolutely
0: um so yeah uh Wow, Uh, 18 months ago, I decided to do a really big thing and uh, paddle around Great Britain. So that started on the 27th of April after quite a bit of planning and preparation and training. And uh, on the 27th of April, I started a circumnavigation of mainland Britain and achieved it on the 12th of September, having paddled 141 days and 4,000 kilometers and three world, five world records. Five world, what are those world records? So off the top of my head, um, <laughs> the circumnavigation of Britain, which is yep. the first time that's ever been done, and wow. a time of 141 days. Um, the first person to have paddled from Land's End to John by by the coast. Yeah. Um, one that I'm particularly proud of is the world's longest ever SUP journey. Um, yeah. Which is around the 4,000. It's still got to be verified around the 4,000 kilometers, which breaks the previous record by over 1,500 kilometers. Well, wow. um, the fastest circumnavigation of Wales, 14 days, and the wow. first and fastest circumnavigation of Scotland in 46
1: days. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible, and I, I think it was eight million paddle strokes.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really difficult one we had to work out. So give or take a hundred thousand, it is yeah. about eight million paddle strokes, which yeah is unbelievable to think of when you just do one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, let alone the the forces of the the waves and the and the and the water because it's very different. Um, the thing because you talked about the nice inland kind of routes, but I've been on the sea a couple of times. You know, we were in Abereran when you passed the the uh, Welsh coast. Oh, right. and, I was hoping to meet uh, to come and see you, but we, the, the times just didn't cross. But you know, it's very very different being on the sea. The power and the force of the waves is such difference to the the nice little rivers I'm able to go down here. I, how how did you look after your your body, your shoulders, your your core? Like, did that take some <laughs> prep? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it's more really is more about the um the kind of the experience that you have on the sea and that's so important to undertake something like this because a paddleboard in placid calm waters you know it, it was just like a floating cork whereas in the sea it's getting thrown all over the place um so yeah that's a big part to it i needed i gave myself four months of hard preparation and i think that's the most important aspect with others that came along that kept me away from any injuries over the four and a half months. And the way I trained, um, I trained to paddle for breaks. So what I mean by that is I trained to paddle for four hours, nonstop three times a day or six hours, nonstop twice a day. So that was the kind of mental uh, as well as physical training, I needed to know that actually you focus for four hours and you paddle non-stop, or you paddle for six hours non-stop. Then you give yourself 20, 30 minutes break and then you do the same again. Um, and that sort of mindset readied myself, body and mind, um, to undertake the four and a half months. That's nuts. So of the 141 days, how many were on the water? Uh, well, 23 of those days were totally off the water because of really bad weather. Mm. And then about another 30 days were conditions were bad, so that we could only manage anything from 2K to sort of 8K, but all of those were under 10K. Mm.
1: I um, so I reached out to my audience and said, You know, I'm having Brendan on, he's done this incredible challenge. What questions have you got? And my son Corey um, he's asked a question. And, um, so him and I got up at sunrise, um, in Aberaeron to, to, we were on holiday and we wanted to see the sunrise on the paddleboard. So we got up at like four 30 in the morning, uh, to get out on the water. And that water was cold, man. Like it was painful on, painful on the feet. We didn't have the appropriate kind of footwear or covers. Um, and it, Corey's question is, you know, what time would you have to get up every single day to get on the, on the board?
0: Well, timings were very much to do with, what the weather was doing and what the tides were doing. Um, but what you when you're circumnavigating an island, um, you actually chase the tide so that you stay pretty much with it as you travel. So normally on the tides, every day it's the 50-minute difference. Um, so over the course of the week, you know, you could be paddling an hour later or earlier every day. But when you're chasing it around, you often just stick with it for long periods of time. So it was really annoying that we had lots of occasions where the tide was right at four in the morning and you, you had to paddle every day at four in the morning before that tide changed. And it might have been a week or two weeks before that happened. Um, but it was never like that for 11 o'clock or nice early late starts. It was only ever early starts. So yeah, that, that feeling of getting up at four, that alarm going off, been on the water by half four in cold, wet kit. Um, yeah, never really leaves you and never really um, you can, it never could become better. It just is what it is and you get on with it.
1: Yeah. Before we get, I mean, I've got loads of questions. I want to ask you about your experiences, but before we get too far, I just want to get back to the the heart of why, you know, why you've even bothered? And I understand that, you know, it all comes back to this, this time in October, 2014, would you mind, sharing with us a little bit about your heart, your motivation for this challenge.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, as you say, eight million paddle strokes. You know, I can't begin to imagine doing something like that unless I had real motivation to do it. Um, that motivation stems from 30 years of seeing people in trouble on the water. If you're, if you're a waterman, if you're out on the water lots, you know, pretty much any time I ever go out on the sea... I'm, I'm helping somebody in some way, shape or form. Um, it's relentless. And, and especially now that in the last two or three years, even more people are enjoying the water and getting out there, which is amazing, but just don't have the skills or knowledge to support that enthusiasm to get on the water. Um, so I set up a surf life club um, in Torbay to help train lifeguards and get more people in the schools teaching water safety. I set up um, a charity to do the same, and the kind of the the worst point of that journey of water safety campaigning um, was an, a time when I was off duty as a lifeguard. Um, I've been a lifeguard for twenty years um, as a volunteer lifeguard, uh, and I was in North Cornwall and a situation where the conditions were pretty awful, um, and unfortunately, three souls lost their lives, and I was part of trying to retrieve those souls and resuscitate those souls in front of their families. And, you know, that's, it's hard hitting. It's hard hitting when you see families losing a loved one. Mm. And I mean whole families as in parents, grandparents, children, cousins, aunties, uncles, all there, because, you know, that's often the case with drowning. You've got, you're celebrating, you're having a great time, you're on holiday, you're, you're enjoying the water for, it, for all the right reasons. And then something tragic like draining happens and that, that changes everything, it's catastrophic. Um, so seeing, witnessing, going through that means that I've always said to myself from that moment on, I didn't want another family to have to go through that grief, mm. that trauma. Um, so, you know, I've, I've doubled my efforts. I retired myself from daytime teaching, you know, as a school teacher. Um, to to focus solely on this Um, but I wasn't hitting the the nine million children we've got in this this country I wasn't getting to all those nine million children because it's difficult to do that unless you've got media support so I thought let's do something a little bit that most people think is a bit crazy but is very on on topic at the minute which is paddleboarding you know I'm paddleboarded for 15 years so it's it's not new to me i love it i've been doing it racing expeditioning getting out there so it just was a natural progression for me to combine combine my efforts with something i love doing which is paddleboarding and paddleboarding around a whole country mm.
1: thank you for going there thank you for thank you for sharing that because i know that you know I, i've seen a number of your kind of interviews and your videos and it takes you right back doesn't it you can't relive those experiences without almost you know feeling it and I, and i know that's you know such a tragedy i understand in in the situation you were you were only one of well, the only one that knew how to do you know resuscitation as cpr is is that you know is that important? yeah i mean there's so
0: many issues surrounding self-preservation both on the water and on the beach you know we're not taught in this country water safety we're not taught drain and prevention and part of that is the ability to resuscitate You know it's 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 mind-boggling that we do not focus on on something i mean i think that your every human will witness somebody in some form of cardiac arrest or issue that needs resuscitation at least three times in their life and yet only something ridiculous like nine percent of people even receive any form of training on resuscitation you know so Who knows in that situation if more people would have known resuscitation than myself if we could have done something. Um, But there are plenty of scenarios where resuscitation saves lives. Um, And that's just one of the aspects of what I'm trying to push with
1: water safety and drain and prevention because it's all part of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, when when you're at least on duty, you know, that responsibility as a lifeguard is a burden you carry. But on that day, it was, I imagine, solely looking at, at you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was in that time of year on that particular beach. There are no lifeguards present. I was going there to surf myself. I was standing at the water's edge on completely the other side of the beach, because that was the only bit that I potentially could have surfed, because it was ten foot conditions. Um, and and I and I was standing there with my board, thinking, now I'm I'm not going for this. This is going to be, this is going to be too brutal. And you know, the other side of the beach it wasn't even a possibility that you could have surfed there. Um, And there we had lots of people going into the water. You know, if they had an understanding of how water works, how coastal waters work, tides, rips, uh, waves. You know, on that particular beach, it has a a breaking, crumbling wave that turns to white water for huge periods of time, sort of 100 meters. And When it bounds off the cliffs, 100 meters becomes 200 meters and the thing about white water is you can't swim in it because it's not enough buoyancy so you sink down to the water which means there's no air and and in those sort of conditions you might have two three four five foot of just throffy white water you know brutal conditions to try and do anything in let alone enjoy enjoy the water um, and that was the conditions for the day and you know as part of the uh, coroner's court I was an expert witness on that um, you know it that will help for me to understand this scenario and how as an off-duty lifeguard my options were beyond limited in trying to help other than unfortunately pulling pulling bodies in um, so yeah that's you know that whole scenario and so many others that unfortunately I've I've witnessed or been out on the water and seen, you know, from the sublime to the ridiculous, I mean, only in the last six months of traveling in Britain, I mean, I've seen some ridiculous scenarios where people think they can go from sheltered inland waters to coastal waters and, and don't understand that it's completely different. And you have so many more factors to, uh, to consider to paddle safely when you're on the coast.
1: Mm. So, you know, another question that I've had from one of my audience members is um, this idea of of loneliness. You know, you just talk about nearly twelve hours on the water on your own, like twelve hours with myself. Like, I don't mind my own company, but like twelve hours, like, how were you? Did you experience loneliness? How did you deal with it?
0: Yeah, incredibly lonely. Mm. Incredibly lonely, um, especially when you are in the likes of Scotland, where you can go a week without seeing any other uh, form of human life. Mm. And that seems astonishing on a a country as small as ours with the amount of people we've got. But there are some really barren places, not just in Scotland, but in Wales and in England, Mm. where you can go days without seeing anyone else. Um, Yeah, so incredibly lonely, but I've never let that get to me in that you use the time constructively. So I average 10 hour, ten hours, 15 minutes on the water every day. So you've got to keep the mind busy because the mind is a, is a fairly negative thing left mm-hmm. to its own devices. Mm-hmm. So you don't let it go its own route. You, you entertain it the whole time. So I had a structure in place that took two weeks really to kind of get fully into place. And then once that was in place, it, uh, yeah, it's astounded me how a 12-hour paddle can just... Go like that because of how you're keeping yourself entertained in the mind. And a lot to do with that is I mean I don't know much about meditation as such, but I know about how to keep the mind focused. Yeah. Um, and if I didn't know as well as I did before I started, I, I truly do now because there aren't many people who have had as much time to themselves like I have over the last four and a half months. Um, and you learn to focus solely on, on individual things. And you also learn to play crazy games. So the most, most one people mostly love are, are the, the time. It took me three days to name every human being I know. Um, it's focusing and doing crazy things like that, but also going into incredible detail in your mind. And, and the time just goes past um it really does and at the same time being switched on you know you can't lose yourself in your thoughts mm. because you've got to be switched on to continually monitor the weather and the tides and the conditions around you because yeah. you could you know your day's plan of paddling could change dramatically in 15 minutes if the conditions change
1: i wonder whether your you know your subconscious is much more competent after 15 years but not long after learning how to paddleboard, I was down on the south coast near uh, near Sandbanks kind of area. Um, and over the bay was um, the the uh, Royal International Air. It was like a air show. And the Red yeah. Arrows were going around kind of Bournemouth. And I remember just taking my eye ar- off what I was doing, looking around at the Red Arrows for one moment. And I was straight in the water. Like, you know... Ah. Is that something that you're just, you're so confident, competent, and you don't, or 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 is it taxing? Are you having to constantly focus and for the full journey?
0: No, it's a bit, uh, a bit like driving a car, really. Yeah. You drive a car, you don't think about it. Um, you think about all the other aspects. You're not actually thinking about the mechanics of what your feet are doing. or What, your what you're saying doing.
1: is I'm highly incompetent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm saying just like someone who, who learns drive awesome. a calf, you know, it takes yeah, a while yeah. before you get to that point of not having to think about it anymore. Yeah. Um, Ooh, red arrows. I think if I, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. If I was if I was having to think about paddling, the actual mechanics of paddling, um that would become incredibly tiresome. Mm. Um no, I don't uh, you know whether you're the paddle stroke or Um, balance or position on the board it all just happens naturally and that comes through years of experience
1: Mm. in all those different types of conditions as well Mm. you know I don't know whether it's like cliche eastern philosophy but were you at one with the paddleboard at at one with the water like how do you take your kind of your uh, philosophical influences
0: yeah I mean at at one is a is a I don't know if it's a Ponzi saying or overused saying or um, but it's certainly very true that you can't paddle for 10 hours in horrendous conditions mm. if you're not in tune with what the board is doing, the water's doing, your paddle's doing, and how your body is able to cope with that. Um, it would break down very quickly, or you just lose the motivation. Um, you know, I, I paddled on one particular day on the northwest coast with a wind was really strong, you know, and there were, it, it, over 15 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour, it just becomes brutally strong in your face. And I started paddling in the morning, and people were walking along, the I was trying to get as close to the promenade and the concrete structures as possible, because that gives you a little bit of shelter um, from the winds. And there were people walking past me, because I'm going that slowly. And it was entertaining that in the morning a gentleman walked past with his dog, kind of semi-laughing. And what is this? You know, what is this guy doing on a ball? Why didn't he just come in? Why is he why is he doing this? Because not everyone understands what I'm trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And um, about eight hours later, at the end of the day, when obviously he finished work, he was walking his dog again, and I'm still on that stretch. Um, a couple of kilometers further on, wow. but I'm still on that stretch. And that, to see the surprise in his face thinking, it's this guy been doing this all day long. Um, and the thing is, people say, well, why didn't you have the day off then? And the, the issue is, if you don't do it, no one else comes and does it for you. Mm. And if I don't do it today, I've got to do it tomorrow. Mm. Um, and those tomorrow soon mount up. So you just have to get out there and do it. And wow. it, the mindset of that was really important. And only if the conditions were... Physically dangerous to me or others, would I not venture out onto the water?
1: I do know that you did fall in on one occasion, and I know that it was a bit of a hairy moment. Yeah, uh,
0: which one are you thinking? Because I fell off fourteen times in in four thousand kilometers, and uh, most of the times there was a reason why I fell off because <laughs> there was an external external element um, involved. Uh, I presume you're talking about orcas. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, it's amazing how many people are surprised to know that we actually have killer whales um, on the coast of Britain. Um, from Cornwall, which they were seen this year, and I was actually paddling at Porthcurno, and they were paddling around me. Um, I didn't see them, thankfully, because the conditions were so bad. But it was only speaking to the NCI, the National Coach Watch station, afterwards who said, did you sit, how amazing was it? You were paddling with those killer whales and I hadn't seen them. Yep. Well, that was a good thing because that really would have surprised me in Cornwall, but yep. they are from Cornwall all the way up to Scotland. Um, I did see them in Scotland on three occasions and uh, three occasions in one gnarly, horrible evening. And the first time I saw them, I was paddling. Um, you know, as we've been saying, my mind was focused, but it was thinking about other things, especially when it, the weather's not great. You know, that your peripheral vision closes in because everything just turns grey. Um, and the killer whale swam up behind me. Now, I actually thought that when it came up behind me, it was, a, it was a boat. And I thought, well, how have I not heard this boat suddenly come so close? You know, so the bear wa- wave um, actually hit me. Um, and as I turned and looked, it was a, an orca. You know, these things are magnificently large in the water. Um, and consequently, I actually stepped back to kind of move away from it and uh, stepped off the board and, and fell into the water. Um, and of course, what goes through your mind? I mean, I knew they potentially could be orcas. Uh, there were stories just the day before of a hundred kilometers up the coast where orcas were catching seals and playing with them. And there was video footage of them, these seals being fl- flung in all directions Um, by people capturing those moments on the beach um, up in the north, more more northeast. And I was northwest um, part then, so I knew they were around. But when you're in the water and there's one cruising past the other side of your board, you can't help but think the worst. Um, I know these creatures have never harmed someone in the wild, but they're just so huge and so amazing. Um, so to see this glistening black and white fin just cruise past, um, and the, you know, I looked directly into this wonderful, magnificent creature's eye wow. as it passed. And I thought, goodness, you know, that's, that's beyond incredible, mm. but I didn't panic. And I was, and I thought of myself that, you know, I was quite proud of myself that I stayed cool. I didn't panic. So at the moment, then I began the process of just getting back up on my board and one cruised behind me, and that was almost a bigger surprise because he just literally brushed past my feet. Um, and that did make me, make me give me a, a proper start. Um, amazing. I mean, what a, a fantastic thing to have experienced, but I can quite honestly say that um, I wouldn't necessarily go hunting for such a experience ever again. And the fact, I had two more encounters with uh, orcas later that evening. To the point that the last encounter I had um, I actually thought you know it's 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 getting too dark that these these huge predators are becoming too close and having too much interest in me and I just need to get off the water because it's their feeding time
1: yeah wow and, um, you know, you're the guy out on the board. You're the guy with the heart for, for doing this. But I know you had a bit of a support crew. Let's shine a light on the, the good people that, that supported you. You know, who were they? What were they doing? What role did they play? And how did they keep you going?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, those guys and girls are um, all part of the team. And you can't do something like this yeah. without them. I, I chose the option of paddling beach to beach rather than having a boat and staying out on a boat or just when I, when I stop just getting on the boat. Um, I thought it's, for me, it's more appropriate to show and highlight the water safety because the biggest issues are often when you're entrance or exit in the water. Mm Um, so to have a crew, two guys, Will and Harry in, in vans sponsored by Peugeot, you know, watching us and guiding us and, you know, those gnarly moments where the huge waves are crashing in and I have to come in. It's really hard when you've never landed on a beach before to, to see where the rocks are, to see where the rip is, or to see what's going on from the water. So to have them signalling and in and, and, and guiding me in was, was so important. Um, so Will and Harry, Will uh, is a professional video photographer, so he was taking all the this you know, the, the stills and the video footage for the documentary that we're doing. He's also a surfer, so he gets all that uh, water knowledge and how to guide me. And then Harry, who did everything else and was a, a, a general legend to get things sorted and he's a real problem-solver, and you need someone like that on, a, on an expedition like this, someone who you can just leave to trust to sort things out, mm. and was, um, you know, instrumental in that. And then we had Zoe and, and Lucy back at, at base uh, just answering all the different questions and media and 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 just keeping on a tag on all that so a fantastic team of support that you can't do this without and of course when I mention a team it goes without saying again you can't do something like this unless your your wife Mm. um, is part of that team and children and they really were how incredibly supportive they were was was again instrumental in, in allowing it to happen so smoothly and i am incredibly proud that you know it was 141 day expedition and nothing went wrong hmm. um nothing went wrong at all so you know that comes down to some really good people and some great yeah. planning
1: and do you know what sometimes i go away like if i go to a festival camping and stuff like just you just eat like cereal bars you eat like you know the occasional pot noodles heat some like, you can't do that. You can't live on pot noodles going 141 days. You have to keep your body healthy. You've got 12 hours on the water. Like, the logistics blow my mind. Like, how did you keep fueled and keep good, good, uh, good food and good water intake? How did you do the sheer basics of looking after yourself?
0: Yeah, that's so, so important. And, you know, the body would fall apart very quickly if you weren't fueling it in the right way. <laughs> so it is hugely important. Um, and also important to to preempt everything so always making sure you're hydrated before you need the water always making sure your the food intake's there because you will crash um you know when you're paddling non-stop like that it if you experience a crash on the board 10 miles out and you've got four hours before you can get back on to land you know that would be disastrous Mm. so it's all always about preempting what your intake is needed, Um, which is difficult because when you're paddling for 12, 16 hours a day, five days in a row, it really ramps up what your body needs to keep fueling. Mm. So on general, I was probably eating two to three times what I would normally eat in a day, Mm -hmm. as in calorie count. But if you you ramp up and have five, six, seven really hard days consecutively, I'd be well over 10,000 calories in a day um i would eat three meals in one sitting at times because you know you just ravenous um it's funny how the body speaks to you as well the, the main things my body always speaks to me about is um beyond and beyond ridiculous amounts of water hydration um ridiculous amounts of fat it loves fat and just you know i i would quite happily mop up um, the juice from bacon being cooked because it just it it calls to you simple things like that so you know you've got all the amazing nutrition and things you're doing but things like fat it it just really needs and protein in different forms Um, you know the body's crying out to be repaired uh, and protein whether it's meat or nuts or whatever it's crying out for that all the time with of course uh, plenty of sleep when you can get it Mm. Um, and I can sleep. I could sleep on a bed of nails quite easily. So, to fall asleep in between paddles when you've got half an hour and it's pouring with rain and you're lying on the beach was wasn't a problem for me. And yeah. that's essential. That really yeah. is essential. Have that ability.
1: Wow. You talked. Um, I'm, I'm just picking up on what you're saying. I'm trying to understand. So, there's a difference between paddleboarding along the coast versus out far. Right? How far from the mainland would you be out uh, paddling?
0: well to keep to keep the distance to four thousand kilometers around our mainland Britain you have to go from headland to headland really mm-hmm. you can't hug the coast because I'd still be paddling there if that was the case because mm-hmm. the distance would be huge. So from some headland to headlands you could be 20 30 kilometers from from any land um, and that's just the way it is it's just what you have to do and You also have to understand that the conditions one or two kilometres from land are completely different five, 10, 20 kilometres from land, both good and bad. And you have to be prepared for that. And that's where the understanding of what water is doing and how water and weather and weather and water affect each other. Um, You know, lots of places on the south coast, that's really easy to predict and understand and see and fold in front of you when you start to get to places in Wales and and Scotland where you've got mountains because mountains create their own weather um, that can't be predicted you just have to understand and see it that's when you know those changes and understandings need to be implemented Um, and that's a huge factor I would say of my paddling um, if we said paddling was 20% then 40% would be understanding the water and then the other 40% would be understanding the weather. I'm reading clouds miles ahead I'm reading what the wind is doing in relation to the land, in relation to the tides, well ahead to to plan for it and prepare for it. Um, And you do have to become a little bit of a guru really on it. Again, otherwise you'd have to stay really close to the land. It would take I think it would probably take two years to do something like this if you actually stayed close to the land the whole way so it's it's a really important part to understand and, and portray and put across and make others understand that that's such a big thing.
1: Mm. You um you said something that really opened my mind a little bit you said we're an Ireland, and you think as someone from you know England, like, when we refer to Ireland, we think, our oh, Pirates of the Caribbean. We think, we think, oh, they're going to Fiji Island. We think Bahamas. Those are nice images of islands, but we're an island, and you're right. And I guess, what are some of the beautiful things you've seen of this island that maybe that we don't realise is there that we take for granted?
0: Well, I love the fact that I now view our island in such a different way. I actually see it as a proper island because I'm like, looking in on it. Um, and that's, that's joyful to have that sort of understanding which, you know, not many people have ever, have, have ever seen it in that way. So that's wonderful. But also you then really see how diverse our island is. So, you know, the, the, the sandy beaches that we have in the south and the warmth compared to the vast cliffs and seabirds and, you know, there are places in Scotland where you can't hear yourself for 10 hours because the birds are so loud and it's their world. Um, You know, seeing stags on the beach, seeing otters playing, seeing uh, hundreds of dolphins, whether in Wales or Norfolk, you know, seeing hundreds of dolphins, not just one or two, seeing thousands of seals. I mean, we've got some colonies on our island where there's twenty thousand seals on a beach, you know, and, and a thousand of those seals want to come and get on your board. So, it's um, it's amazing what we've got, and the diversity and the different types of beaches, different types of water. You know, the water is the sea water is completely different in Cornwall than it is to Norfolk. Completely different to how it is in North Wales. Um, both in its in its feel, in its look, and its content. It's it's all there. You, you, know, you see all this amazing, wonderful stuff, but of course you also see the, the bad bits, which are the man-made bits, whether that's mm. sewage being pumped in, and our water companies can be devious in their ability to pump out uh, sewage, raw sewage, when it, the visit, visibility is bad or we've got bad weather. Um, seeing the, the impact of litter on our beaches, seeing uh, beaches in Scotland, secluded beaches that you can't get to unless you're on some form of watercraft where the, uh, the plastic waste, predominantly from fishing waste, is stacked up like a JCB has pushed it all up the beach. You know, it's, it's a mount you'd have to physically climb over it. That's how much physical um, sea waste, sea fishing waste there is um you know seeing all that aspect of the ugly parts of seeing how an island has the good the bad and the ugly of all these things
1: that's powerful that's powerful and uh i I know that you guys have been documenting the whole journey and and i really looking forward to kind of seeing you know the world through your eyes and seeing you know some of the experiences because um That's powerful. And I I, was sat here a minute ago just before coming on and I'm re-watching the live of when you come back into Torbay. You know, you've got (laughs) all your friends, your family, the Torbay community out on the beach, welcoming you home after circumnavigating the UK. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not not crying, you're crying. And uh, it was incredible (laughs) just seeing you come in, the reception that you got, and then being able to walk under those... um, those paddles with your family like talk to us about what that day was like coming home to Torbay oh
0: yeah thank you for those kind words um yeah it was amazing you know you with an expedition you're very conscious not to wish the time away but to enjoy the time but of course you're always wishing for that end or looking towards that end I should say um in my mind it was very simple I leave Torbay. I turn right, and I keep turning right until one day I'll do that right-hand turn to come back into Torbay. Um, so to take that right-hand turn and actually see Torbay unfold in front of me on such a beautiful evening um, was just something that's really hard to artic- articulate, really hard to kind of explain. But it, you know, it's it's in the core in how that affects you and how you you know you see the 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 love and the the caring from so many people just to see you back safely so it it was magical to have the people on the water um and then to have family and friends and to have as you say the paddles to to walk under um you know it's it's a memory i'll have forever it's a memory that i bottled and i'll open that bottle ever in the future just to get a bit of that back sometime um but it's amazing. And I'm, and I'm using that now in the legacy and the next six months of what I'm trying to achieve um, for the benefit of water safety Mm. on this island, really.
1: Yeah. We'll finish up with that legacy. And I just would love to know, um, what was going through your mind? What were you saying to yourself when you took that knee on the beach, when you finally landed?
0: Well, I'm a man of faith. Um, So, you know, I believe in a creator and, Really, when I took that knee, I took a knee before I left to, to bless and and help me mm-hmm. through 141 days. And I just took that knee when I came back in just to thank, um, you know, my Lord, just to say thank you for keeping me safe, keeping the team safe and the ending and all that we've done. And, uh, you know, that's that's I did it f- not for effect because I did it because I truly needed to say thanks um, for that moment. And uh, it's a it's a, it's a powerful image, and lots of people comment on it. Um, and you know, when you see our island in the way that I've seen it, all the different things I saw just in that 141 days alone, you know, you, it does it does make you think about so many things. Um, and whether you believe in a creator or have a faith, you know, you, it's a powerful thing just to kind of give thanks. Yeah to whoever you would normally give thanks to and for me it's a creator and I was given thanks for just getting me back safely yeah so uh, yeah it's a big moment for me
1: I love that that's thank you for sharing that our family definitely sent you up a few prayers to keep you going and um it was yeah it's just amazing amazing moment just to see and um yeah your team have captured those moments beautifully thank
0: you thank you
1: so let's talk about the legacy of the long paddle 2021 obviously you've done it for not just to raise awareness, but for a good cause too. Talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Yes, so we wanted to help uh, seven different charities Mm -hmm. to give them a bit of a boost from what we did. And it gives people the options that they can either donate to help those seven different charities. So check out our website for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the personal aspect for me was to sponsor and try and get a solution to our water safety problem in this country. And that the problem is we've got 9 million children at school and less than 3 million of those at very best get some form of water safety training in their school career. And yet water safety, just like maths, is on the national curriculum to be taught. But the problem is teachers are taught how to teach maths, Mm. but teachers aren't taught how to teach water safety because it's a little bit technical and you've got to get it right in what you're teaching. Teachers obviously just think, oh, I can't do that and, and don't. And it's not their fault that they're not trained to do that. So it's left off or left to other people to try and pick up um, where the teachers don't necessarily teach it. So whether that's swim teachers or external agencies coming into school to teach it. And of course, with 9 million children, that mm. just doesn't happen. So the best way we can teach our children is to help our teachers teach them. So a 21st century solution to that has got to be, away from pen and paper, has got to be an app.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So lots of the games I play, and have played with kids over the last 25 years, we're putting into an app form, so you can actually play a game. Mm. And in playing that game, you're learning about water safety.
1: Yeah.
0: And What is revolutionary about this gamified app we're putting together, is we can make it specific to areas. So your waterways, where you are, where there's canals and and rivers and streams, we can actually uh, take video footage of one of those canals where you would go and paddleboard every day. And within that, we can play the games at that location. So a child can actually think, "Hmm, I've, I've been here before, haven't I? Because I played the game. I know where dangers are, or I know where safety can be gained if we need it. So whether it's the coast or inland waterways, we can put that together. But of course, these things cost a huge amount of money. Um, Putting it together, the ideas for it, the games, is the easy bit. It's finding the money to actually pay for it and make it look good and make it so children want to play it. So the legacy, especially for the next six months, is me gaining as much funding um, for this app, this gamified water safety app um, as, as possible because we need really the best part of quarter million to make it happen on
1: the first phase. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, we get a little bit of sponsor money here at Always Betting. Yesterday, I'd like to put my sponsorship money in and donate that towards your great cause. And I'd just encourage all of our listeners: if if Brendan's story has captured your heart, if uh, if there's anything in Brendan's uh, story in his heart and his why, then please, I'd encourage you to go and donate to Brendan. Thank you for coming to spend some time with us. I've I've absolutely loved hearing probably just a snippet of your. Uh, journey around the UK um, what were the highlights for you if you could if you could just sum up the highlights of your last your 141 days circumnavigating the UK what would it be
0: well most people want to hear about the wildlife but really for me the wildlife was amazing the coastline was amazing and I know, you know, I could talk about that all day but the highlights for me were the people I met mm. around the country um, we are so diverse in our people you know the humour of the south compared to the north, the the what we wear, how we talk, how we act. You know, on the north coast of Scotland compared to the west coast of Wales, compared to the east coast of England, it's also different, but amazing at the same time. And I love that interaction with the different humans around our island. And I've I've got some friends now that you know I'll I'll have forever because of you know, what we went through together, how I saw them at different parts of this expedition. So for me, it would be the people of, of Great Britain, the people of our, our mainland island uh, that made a difference for me, gave me motivation, gave me love, you know, the, the kindness, the hospitality, and the ability just to have a chat on a beach. Um, our coastal communities are wonderful communities and we should be celebrated at all times. And it,
1: and uh, yeah that's what I love the most I think really I love that and I and I really get the sense of love and enjoyment and passion and enthusiasm because like day after your challenge you do the school run and then you're back down at the beach talking about look at this look at the water look how flat it is and and the excitement for the water like this isn't even 141 days out there you've not (laughs) I'm sure there were days where you loathed it but you've you've kept your love for it this is this is you're a missional man and um yeah i'm just excited to to see the legacy as it as it plays out and uh just you know what what is the immediate future for you at the moment what is your focus
0: my focus is really speaking to as many people as possible about what is being done and what we can do um my focus is getting the con- continual message of water safety out there. You know, it, it's fearful when we've got such beautiful days in October, the water's starting to get a bit cooler. You know, what are the implications of that on the beach? So continue getting the message out there. The next six months for me are paddleboarding because I love it, getting in the sea for my own mindfulness and well-being. but sitting in front of a computer, sitting on the end of a phone, you know, building, uh, the legacy of the long paddle and all the implications that's involved with that to get this app working. I want to get it into schools next September and I won't do that just by sitting back. i got to, i got to work as hard now as I did when I was on the paddle board to make it happen.
1: Well, hero. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming and share your story. Uh, really, really, really grateful. I'll share all the links in the comments. I'll, uh, if, if you feel compelled to donate, please do that. You'll find all the information in the show notes. Brendan would be honored if you'd leave us with a final thought from your good self.
0: final thought so it's really difficult isn't it to wrap things up in a final thought i would say for me um if you wherever you are the next time you go through and near water whether that's on near or around water just think just challenge yourself have you got the right equipment have you got the right mindset have you got the right ability are you standing in the right place when you're near water you know over a hundred People in Great Britain die every year, drown every year through not actually wanting to go in the water. They have no intention of going in the water, and yet they still, um, they still drown. So you know, don't be one of the six hundred that drown every year in the whole of Great Britain. Um, just challenge yourself, and if you're with your family, you know, challenge everybody. Are we doing the right thing around water? Because we take it for granted, and unfortunately, the six hundred people that take it for granted. You know, drown in this country alone, let alone the 340,000 that drown around the whole of the planet every single year. It's mind boggling.
1: Mm. Powerful. Thank you so much, my friend.
0: Thank you. God bless.
1: There you go, episode 151 with Brendan Prince. Please go and check out the Long Paddle 2020 on. Please go check out Above Water and check out Brendan's profile. If you feel compelled to go and support the charitable cause, then please go and contribute whatever you can. It will make a difference, I am sure. Um, please do share this with someone or a group of someone special that you would love to. Uh, inspire have hear the story or just to enable uh brendan's story to reach more human beings thank you for listening to the very end of episode 151 with brendan prince if you have any questions for myself or brendan please do reach out please do ask please do share this Um, and i look forward to speaking with you again really really soon always love my friends